Hey there, and welcome to episode 10 of Craftish. I'm Vicki Howell, your crafty tour guide of sorts through the journeys of creative people's stories. And this week's story comes from jewelry designer, educator, author, and the host of the PBS show, Hands On, Candy Cooper. I was trying to remember when and where I met Candy, and I could be wrong, but I think it was 10 or so years ago at the annual Crafts and Hobbies Convention in Anaheim, California. I know for sure, though, that I've seen her almost every year there since. Anyway, back then, the convention was crawling with fresh talent. The publishing industry hadn't felt the blow of blogging and free content yet, so publishers would set up these huge booths and fly in their craft authors for book release parties, signings, make and takes, and other events. It was a really great time to meet other professional artists and crafters. Unfortunately, most publishers rarely visit the show at all anymore, let alone spend tens of thousands of dollars on a big, fancy presence. And with the departure, the book boost, the tangible energy of fresh ideas has really also thinned out. I feel so lucky to have been a part of the industry during that time, and in large part because the network of the amazing authors I was able to build relationships with were really lasting ones. A good portion of those, including Candy Cooper, I'm, I'm still friends with today, gosh, more than a decade later. Candy's earnest interest in nurturing her passion for jewelry making and others comes through in all of her projects. She's a unique combination of quiet, Midwest, modest, and spunky encourager. I just dig me some candy, and I'm so happy to introduce her to you now. Candy Cooper, my friend, it is so good to have you here on Craftish. Vicki, I can't thank you enough for having me. This is awesome. You're kind of elusive. I have to say I was doing a bunch of research. I like to research before I chat, even with my friends. And there are not a lot of interviews, so I'm feeling a tad bit special. You're well, um, you know what? That are you is, shy? I, I'm an introvert, I was going to say. Are I'm you, a, though? That is yeah. not the way that I would have ever described you. No, humble Hoosier. I got it, honestly, you know, being from Indiana, like, don't toot that horn too much, you know? Which is funny because we are now in the day and age of tooting it loud and proud, regardless of who you are or what you're doing at all times to anyone who will listen, even just with a tiny bit of their ear. That's, I'm going to just, yeah, hashtag truth. (laughs) (laughs) How have you, how have you adjusted to that? If you're as an introvert to having, and not only as an introvert, but as an introvert who runs her own business, who's a creative entrepreneur. And what that means is a lot of hustle, especially when it comes to social media and marketing. That's right. Um, you know, I just try to look at what I do as, um, I don't know, in the last couple of years, even in the last couple of months, like I feel like I've really tightened things up and I look at what I do um, as sort of more of a, maybe a service, like, because I really want everybody to have a hobby and I don't care if it's coloring these, you know, grown up coloring books or, you know, making bread or making jewelry, you know, I don't care. It's just something to express yourself and relieve stress. So like, I don't know, I just try to, you know, be helpful on this. So you took yourself out of it and put your put the service at the forefront that helped you be able to talk about yourself a little bit easier yeah in my mind that's sort of like what I've done I don't know if it comes across that way I hope it does I don't know that that matters I think that that's a really great tip for and because I've found 
You know, in my own work, I come across people all the time, and especially artists, um, designers, but and artists alike. There are so many just phenomenally talented people out there, but who are awful at marketing themselves. It's just, it's just not something that they can do. It takes and, nuts. And it's I nuts. mean, you know as well as I, I do that the actual talent for doing the craft is probably only 40% of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this other component is really, really important. And if that is a block that's coming up, it's hard to talk about yourself all the time. But I think that if you found a way, and I think that's a great way, I hadn't even thought of it that that way. If you found a way to get past that, I think that's really valuable. Yeah. And I mean, and also like, I mean, let's face it, if you don't have, um, you know, you put this stuff out there and then you always have those few people that always like your posts or always comment or whatever. Thanks to those people, because those are the gems that kind of keep you going. You know, like those people believe in me. It doesn't take many, you know, but I think also like in, in turn, like I try to be that for a few people in my life and I'm really grateful for the ones that have done it for me. So it is, it takes a village, right? Absolutely. And there's some reciprocity, especially now in these days, because we are able to speak globally Mm -hmm. because of the Internet. And so we can actually have relationships. Obviously, they're different than the relationships that we have with live humans, but there can be an exchange of ideas and energy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I go ahead. Well, I, I, I was just speaking to your point. I think that you know, you get all of these wonderful comments and sometimes it might just be a heart or it might just be a, I love that or whatever. And, and maybe people don't think that they're read or even processed. And I think at least for me, I really, I really value that. It keeps me to me. That's an exchange. That means, okay, I'm on the right path. I really appreciate that you're getting something from this. Now you've just given me something. Yes. It's a real, um, it's an affirmation that seems so small, that little thumbs up but it's huge, you know? So yeah, I mean, it's just, it's hard, but if you want to, if you want to be self-employed, it seems like this is, you got to do it and you got to, it takes guts. And you know what? I know you've written books. I've written books that you're going to come across some haters and you got to just not let them win. You know, there's going to be, if you're doing anything, there's going to be people that don't like it and you got to just ignore them. When I first started um, on this particular career path that I'm on now, I started doing the show Nitty Gritty and the producer before it started, the executive producer, Joel Reiser, he said to me, you want people to either love or hate you. It's when they have zero feelings that you're in trouble. That's right. You know, and I try to remember that still 14 years later or whatever, every once in a while, because you get, you might get 100, you know bits of love coming at you but it's that one Mm -hmm. snarky you know comment that sticks with you Mm -hmm. you know I had it's we're so lucky we've had these people like come pop up in our lives that have given us that solid food to you know things to live by because I was on a panel one day at a school and there was an artist me and then there was a psychologist and I forget who else was there but I said one of the hardest things about my job is I have to put myself out there every day. And that means you're going to get criticism. And sometimes it's hard to dust that off. You know, you got to pick yourself up and keep going. And 
um, the psychologist told me after the lecture was over, he goes, you know, I'm thinking about what you said, you know, about your books and how there, there are some people that'll leave really negative reviews. And, um, he goes, I just, if you could just tuck this away, he goes, just think about all the books you've read and you never told the author you loved it. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And it's so true. And so by getting that advice so young, think about all the things. And I mean, like food in a restaurant. Um, I mean, like all these Yelp reviews. Right. You'll stop to write a Yelp review if you're angry. Yes. Yes. So I just, and my mom was always like, if you can't say something nice. Thank you. you. I go back to that all of the time. I was talking to somebody else. um, I'm not remembering who I was chatting with, but for an episode of this, this podcast, and we were talking about how we really are Oh, no, it wasn't for this podcast. It was for on Crafty Planner. I was a guest and I was talking to Sandy and she, I, was t- I was talking about how we really are in the infancy, infancy stages of the Internet. We're really only about 20 years into it. And we're really only about five into full on social media. And really, that's really the past two or three where everybody and their literal and proverbial grandmothers are also on social media. So we're raising the first generation of children that will have to be taught internet etiquette of which we are pioneering right now and so but and the interesting thing is that I'm I feel like we have to go back to like what our mom said what your mom said to you and what my mom said to me like if you don't have something nice to say don't say it at all that is that that's the very baseline that we should be at on the internet it's so true. All of this bullying, I work a lot with the, um, you know, I have my jewelry and consulting business and developing content, but also locally I teach um, at our art center and I go out into the schools and I talk about my career as an artist. And I am heartbroken at all the bullying posters I see in these schools and hearing about the the online bullying and these, and these kids like that are just, and I know we had bullying, you know, we had, everybody has girls that are mean to girls and like has stories about that. But I really feel like you're, you're right on, 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 it's going to be our job to teach how to be nice online because just because you can't, you're not saying it directly to their face somewhere, somebody is reading that. And we're all just those thoughts and those words and that negativity are just ripples in the pond. And I might not even know that person, but it makes me feel sad reading that they wrote it about that person, you know? And that's the ripples. Well, that and I think that you I hit, just, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go no, ahead. you're fine. I just, I was like, I don't know if that makes sense. But. No, it absolutely does. And, and in fact, what I, I think that you're hitting the nail on the head is that, yes, we had bullying, but we didn't have it on a public forum. Where the now, whole wide world could see it. Absolutely. It can be right. posted, you know, and, or texted in a group text and your entire student body could see it right there. And I think that part of it is, just nastiness but part of it is that I truly don't believe that people and now you know you were talking about schools but I'm talking about you know on forums adults on forums on on boards you know trolling or being nasty I truly don't or I truly believe that they are not outside of themselves enough to realize the reverberation of their words that it maybe isn't just that, you know, one person who they are irritated with on their page that's going to read it, it could go out to as many of their friends that the algorithm has decided that they could see it, plus mm-hmm. their friends, plus their friends, plus their friends, plus Those their ripples. friends. 
Mm-hmm. It's those ripples. And we as a community, as a human community, owe it to each other to not put those ripples out there. It's true. It's true. And I mean, we all have our bad days. I try to just go there. Like I, I remember reading the book by the Dalai Lama one time and I just, that was also valuable. Just put myself in their shoes and just wonder what's going on with them, you know, and just try to send that, them some light. I don't know, not to sound all. You no, know. I think you're true. And I, th- I think it's true. And I also think, you know, that's really helped me um, sort of shift things in my mind is what I have found over the past, you know, several years is that it's almost never actually about me. When it someone's really angry. isn't. It's so true. If you can just, uh, I just had that happen. I, I think, oh, I know it's not all about me. I try to remember that, but sometimes you fall off that wagon, you know, but it's true. It, it like, I just, um, you know, I've known people that, um, have had, you know, they just didn't know like a vitamin deficiency or sleep apnea or, you know, who knows? And now they're sleeping. They're a new person, you know, I, you just, right. Know oh, right. You don't like. know what their life circumstances are. Right. So, so when you get some of this energy brought back to you, either positive or negative, you choose how, if at all, does it affect your creativity? Are you, a, do you, do you use design or jewelry making as a security blanket or do you thrive and use it as an explorative method oh it's taken me a long time to learn to let that stuff roll off my back like I said it doesn't always work I don't know how I deal with it anymore you know I kind of just ignore it and do I sometimes it is a fuel like I'll show you you know (laughs) There might be there might be some of that sometimes, and then other times I think, oh, that's too bad. I'm sorry you're miserable. You know, like yeah. you tried to just you know laugh it off or whatever. You know, here, but, take this pretty bead and go hold it yeah, for a while. And put it someplace. No, <laughs> all right, that wasn't where I was going. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I mean, yeah, you. I mean, I'm only human. I have those thoughts. You know, like God dang. But um. I what about the good stuff though? What about the positive stuff? If somebody reacts positively towards um, you know, a necklace you've designed or earrings or a course that you're teaching, does that mm-hmm. fuel you to create more of the same? Yes. Or does it give you permission to explore further? For sure it gives me it tells me I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Like for a while there on my personal Facebook page, I would post projects of things I was doing. And one of the um, things I noticed was my jewelry projects were always getting more likes than anything else. Well, I've been making jewelry since sixth grade. I know that's what I'm supposed to do, but sometimes I stray. I'm a Gemini Taurus cuss, but like I stray a little bit, you know, and, and I have teaching as a passion, you know, um, with my art education background. So, but I know really jewelry is what's in my soul and that's what I'm supposed to be doing. So these positive moments where people buy something or they, um, they want to make their own version of it. Um, yeah, it's fuel in my tank just to keep, keep going on that path. Lately, I've been doing the live videos on my, um, Candy Cooper Facebook page. Isn't that an amazing resource? Oh, I'm having a blast getting to know these people, you know, and just, um, the energy, talk about energy. These ladies, they show uh, up. 
they are a delight. And that has been my latest outlet for like, just, I just come on as I am. Uh, and I don't, you know, I just make a quick little project or I like, I share something that I really like doing. Um, there, I'm, I've only done probably these for a few weeks now, but I'm going to keep doing them because I'm getting positive results and I'm having fun with them. And so, yeah, I guess it does. It would, I would say, yeah, it's fueling my tank to keep going. You know, I am, I've been doing the same thing since, oh gosh. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's been four months, six months. I don't know. Yeah. For quite some time, a weekly thing called ask me Monday. Yeah. And I you, love them. You know, thank you. Um, I wasn't, sh I felt it was at a time where I was going to make a big career shift. It was about a month before I was going to make a big, you know, just personal career shift, not a ultimate one. And I just yeah. wanted to reconnect just as me, not as somebody for somebody else. And I just found that it was, it's been such an amazing resource and it's look, it's not, I mean, these, I'm not getting record breaking numbers of views or, or, you know, anything that's going to bring in a bunch of money for the family. But what it has given me is it's given me an, an, an actual reciprocal community, a little glimpse inside some of the people that are, you know, affected by my work or, or know somebody who is. And to me, that just feels like such a gift that, that, they, that they take part of their day, take a part of their day. And some of them show up every week. Yes. It, yeah, there are. Yes. I, that's what I'm finding too. And then they'll chime in like, Oh, I, I missed you at lunch today. If I didn't, if I didn't do one, I mean, that's just, they're awesome. So I, I, I think if you have a business page or, you know, I'm talking to the internet out there, you sh should, you know, give it a go, just try these live videos and, and just be yourself because I think the authenticity is what they, the, like, at least my followers, they really like that authenticity. I've been in my pajamas. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've been showerless before with my hat on, you know, like I just come as I am. I mean, you can't smell through the internet. Yeah, yet. that's right. That's a yet. beautiful thing. Yeah. So, um, but I would say give it a go and just, you know, don't worry, just put it out there. I think that um, also because, I mean, you and I both use Facebook, so that's Facebook mentions, but, uh, you know, you could use Periscope or Snapchat or whatever it is that, wherever you, your audience is. Yeah. Um, and you can even do them on your personal Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's the, great. The, um, but I think that the license that at least, you know, just speaking for myself only that it gave me is that I do so many, as do you, so many highly produced shows, either for television or else videos for companies, um, online courses, where it's full makeup, live lighting, camera people, you know, what have you. And this, you can only use your phone. And Facebook oddly only lets you shoot as a square. So if you put it anyplace else, I, I, I'm guessing that was because of the Instagram thing. Although now Instagram, you can use, I don't really get it. But the point <laughs> is, is that because of that, your phone has to only sit one way, which means that most of the stands don't work so you have to do some kind of you know here's some books and then a thing and then you lean and then if I'm going to turn something it's very it's very garage video I, production yes, that's a, but I that was gives talking, you a license yeah I was talking to our buddy Mike Murphy at, yeah. um you know our where we produce our shows Mike and like Murphy direct just for as a side note Mike Murphy is the director of um Many shows in the for PBS for the craft world all through KS Productions. Uh, he worked on Knitting Daily TV, and he works on your current shows, right? 
Yes, I help out with um, beads, baubles, and jewels I've, through my sponsors. And then um, also with hands-on, the kids' um, craft show. But he said, I was talking to him about these, and he's like, what are you using? And I was like, I have these little lazy arms. They're called lazy arms. You clamp your phone into them, and it clamps to your desk or wherever. And I said, what I really love about live is it, I don't have to edit them. They're very scrappy, and it's it's a real gift to just get that content out fast. And I'm finding that these the people, they like that behind the scenes um, look into your life. They don't really expect perfection on on, you know, the camera or the image quality. So, yeah, it's, um, we're at such an exciting time in, in life for being designers and encouragers and Mm -hmm. instructors because of that interaction that we can have with people all over the world. I feel really lucky. Me too. And I, I heard someone from Facebook speak at the Craftsy Summit and she said, um, you know, never has, you know, like you, it's so approachable to get in touch with your favorite rock musician or your, you know, favorite artist or your favorite maker or whatever, and just drop them a line on their wall or, or watch their live videos. But, you know, like it's amazing, you know, there are no limits now. There are, there are no limits. So, you know, I think about the very beginning days when I was in my old career, when I worked in entertainment and before that, when I was trying to, you know, make it in the in the TV industry or the film industry, and I was, you know, typing letters to Jodie Foster's production company and putting a stamp on them. We didn't even have fax machine. Hoping, hoping that the letter would get open. And now, you know, people could tweet at her. Yes. Yes. And I've seen where these people respond back and like... Absolutely. It's, it's, to- it's so awesome. It's such it- an interesting, interesting time. But... That also ups the ante for some of us that have been doing this since before that was an option. You know, I think all the time, would I have the lines that I've had? Would I have had the shows that I've had? Would a lot of all of this happen to me if I were starting now? I'm not sure it would because there's so much more talent out there now, visible talent. Well, I think you would have. I I don't know. I mean, it's all. But I mean, do you feel I mean, do you feel like we had we had a little bit of a, an advantage? because we got up. on. Well, because we yep. got in on the ground floor. Yeah. blogs. Now, you know, we're watching trade shows and things like that sort of decline because yeah. I can see what you're doing on your blog and, yeah. and your Etsy store. And I can you know, I've I've heard of so many um, acquisition editors going to Etsy to find content for books and absolutely. Artists. Absolutely. You know, and so we were going to trade shows when all of, you know, because it wasn't that easy to, you know, what do we have live journal or something like, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think um, it was still Friendster or maybe MySpace. I don't know. Yeah, MySpace. Yeah. So now, you know, yeah, I do think we were we were lucky to get that, um, you know, start down the shoot early, you know. But at the same time, we also were. Um, I was just talking with somebody about this the other day. We were also working in mediums that aren't flourishing as well. And so maybe hadn't been, a, we didn't spend as much time establishing on the new technology. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of catch up there or finding a balance, finding a balance of where, where that makes. And I, I guess that's a part that I, I'm guessing every working person ever in life who's creative and involving has had to deal with that in one way or another, just yes. trying to get your footing and figure out where you belong in this whole evolution. 
Yes. And, and not, um, I think it's real easy to start comparing like, well, this person's doing this, this, and this, and this person's, you know, got 5,000 Pinterest followers or whatever. And I think the key is to just pick what makes you happy and do it well. And also I think, you know, um, if you do something different, um, don't be, don't be afraid to try something different because I think that's when people really notice you, you know? Yeah. It's actually the niche stuff that does better. If you look at, you know, general craft magazines, you're hard pressed to find one that lasts, you know, there's Molly makes, but that's in another country. There are a couple of magazines here that do okay, but it's Mm -hmm. the niche publications. Same go for television shows when there were still craft television on everywhere, except for PBS. Mm -hmm. The general ones are, are a tough sell, Mm -hmm. but it's those niche shows, those niche publications, those niche groups because you get a really solid for the same those same people that are tuning in to see you f- in your pajamas on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Or there's a loyalty there because you've got something at the very foundation that draws you together. Right. I saw a publis I guess it was the publisher of BuzzFeed speak at South by Southwest a couple of years ago. Um, and she really talked about how they really how it's benefited them to really hone in on specific niches. She she used the example, there was this, there was a meme or something that went around that was like, how you know that you were raised by Korean immigrant pa- you know parents or something like that. Yeah. And it got like a gajillion shares and yeah. views. And so they tried, you know, they tried doing, well, how do you know if you were raised by Armenian and, you know, parent immigrants? Nope, that didn't do as well. Okay, let's try. How you know that you had a Korean education? So they just started tweaking within the same niche. And they found that if they really focused on these pockets, they would hit a nerve. And that that's where the loyalty came from. And I found that to be just such a gem um, for any business person. Yes. Because we yeah. all try to be every, well, I try to be a lot of things to a lot of people and that's not necessarily beneficial to anyone. It's, um, it's called spreading ourselves too thin. I do it too. Oh, right. There's a, there's an actual, <laughs> there's another word for, for that called no, <laughs> <laughs> yes. you know, which is, which is, a that's, it's funny. It's, that's one of the first words that children are taught to say and still one of the things that's the hardest words to use as an adult. People pleasing is real. Um, yeah, I, I, I struggle with it all the time. And I think like, that's another key to success though, is knowing where to draw that line and, you know, really focus it. But I grew up that, I mean, that, I think some of it's just me because my mom used to say I was a jack of all trades, master of none. And I yeah. think, you know, I played the violin. I was in ballet. I played the bass guitar. I was in a garage band, you know, I loved all of that, you know, and, but I wasn't really super great at any one thing except making jewelry. I think I was pretty great at that, you know, (laughs) in my own opinion, you know, as a kid, I like, you know, that was the one thing. And I'm lucky I had parents just encouraged me to try a lot of things, you know, so I could figure out that one thing. Were your parents, are they creative? Yeah. My, I come from a big line of, um, creative people. The, my grandma is florist and interiors. And then my mom is a painter. And then, um, 
and she's real crafty, real crafty. <laughs> and then my dad, um, uh, he can see just junk, let's for lack of better words, and make it into something great. Like he, when I was five years old, he bought this lake cottage that I, nobody would want this place, you know, and he just has a way of just over time massaging it until it's this beautiful thing and um real cozy and nice and so he just I mean, has I, that eye yeah i think that's creative you know what i mean like absolutely in, that's a that's something that can't be having an eye like that is not something that can be taught either the diamond in the rough you yeah. know i mean this place was covered in weeds and he just saw it and he's you know yeah he so, has the ability to see beauty mm-hmm. that's not visible mm-hmm so yeah, I come. Yeah, there's a lot of creativity in in my family. I'm, I, I was always lucky that um, you know I, I I talk a lot to parents too that if you have a creative kid, it's really important to nurture it and not make them feel like you can't have that as your job. You know, like. I had so many friends in college that were like, oh, my parents are, I loved art and I loved doing all that. But my parents told me I had to get a real job or do something that I could actually make money at or whatever. And I think, dang, you know, like. I mean, but that was, that was kind of the mentality. When, generational, when, huh? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you're a bit younger than I am, but I think it was just the the general sort of vibe of the 80s and 90s. That was the truth. But, I, you know, there wasn't, you know, I, I talked about this with um, the co-founder of Spoonflower recently about how, you know, when we were kids, there wasn't anybody from a crafty company going to the local, you know, the school, the college fairs and the, you know, mm-hmm. and the job fairs. <laughs> I thought that if you went to art school, you had to know how to draw and paint. Me too. I had no idea. I know. Did you go to art school, Vicki? No, no, I did not. <laughs> uh, well, I did. And I I still tell people, like I talk to all the kids, you know, and my degree was in art education and fine arts. Yeah. And at first I started out in graphic design because I thought I'm creative. That's the only job I can get. You know, it was graphic design, you know. Right. And because there I, was there was an actual like job with a title. Yes. In it. Yes. And I remember sitting in class one day and they were like, okay, here's a bunch of tools and we want you to stylize this wrench. And I was Mm. like, I'm out. I got to go. I don't even know what you're talking about, you know? And so that's when I moved over to art education. And um, how did you get into art school? If were you, are you also, do you draw? Do you paint? You know what? Funny you ask because I, um, I, my middle school art teacher always let me, like, I've always had a mixed media hand. Like, I'm going to drip this wax on this paper, and then I'm going to use nails into the styrofoam to hold it all together, you know, and and the nails are going to show. And I've always thought in layers like that, looking back at my projects. But then when I got into high school, my teacher was really, um, it was a drawing-based class, and it was really emphasized, like, you had to know how to shade and stuff. And I just didn't have that hand. And it was really hard because I really loved being creative, but I just felt really unsuccessful through my high school career, I think, you know, and it it just wasn't my thing. And I went to a small school. So there, I mean, in the bigger school, if you want to do ceramics or metalworking or whatever, you know, you can just focus on that. Mine was sort of a general art class. 
And so by the time I got to college and we all had to take those drawing classes and, um, life drawing and all of that, I got by because I worked really hard and I tried really hard, but I always got B's, you know, in drawing like all through high school, all through college. So that was grading art is such a sham. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's such a, a, my own, my middle son has been in art classes for years and you know, his grades are not great in them. And I always go back and forth and he feels bad about it. And I just, you know, I just tell him drawing, first of all, grading art is subjective. So Mm -hmm. let's start there. But second of all, and I I hope that this is a message that I'm giving my children, but also anybody listening. You know, I think I'm always surprised to hear how many people had the experience of feeling lesser than in their school art class or at, you know, any place where they were, you know, able to be creative. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, fortunately, that obviously didn't happen with you. And beads are still solid grades. So I'm going off on a tangent a bit here. But um, and then just deciding that they weren't creative at all. Yeah. Giving up before they found their thing. Yeah. And I think that's it. I think it's the finding your thing that really is the key there. So if you can take yourself out of it, if you Mm -hmm. can take the, I'm not good at this out of it and replace it with this drawing may not be my thing. Yeah. Let's move on to the next thing. Yeah. Because being creative can be, be making jewelry, you know, as you were saying, baking cakes, playing bass. Yeah. Making a film. Writing. Yeah. Shoot, you know, becoming a photographer for making making new relationships. Like mm-hmm. what it means to make is to cultivate. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah, I get a little um, you know, obviously like super sensitive artist you're talking to right now. But I, I get a little heartsick when I hear these ladies in my classes, they'll be like, Oh, I'm, I'm not that creative. If they've come with a friend or something like that, I'm not creative. I'm like, you are, you just, I, and they always followed up with, I can't even draw a stick figure. It's like that. Neither can I. It's not linear. Yeah. It's not linear. Yeah. A does not have to, you know, a plus B does not have to equal C. Yeah. And I really try to, to remind them, like, you might be a knitter, you might be into ceramics, you might be a great cupcake decorator, I don't know. But don't give up and don't say you're not creative. Gardening, I see so many beautiful, it takes talent to garden and landscape. And I I try to just let them let that whoever, you know, I think for me, like jumping around a little bit, for me, maybe that's what makes me, um, I, I do pretty okay um, teaching kids. And maybe had I not had those experiences of feeling like, I'm just not good at drawing. Maybe, you know what I mean? I can course correct with the kids I teach. And I, I, cause I don't want to see them down on themselves if they can't get that apple to look like an apple, you know? So had I not had that in the past, I could, you know, I feel like it makes me more sensitive to those kids that feel like they can't draw either. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So, do you think so, so? You taught kids long before you became a mother. N- now that you're you're a mom, mm-hmm. has has the way that you approach working with children, or maybe just working with your own daughter, or inf- you know, infusing creativity in her life, has that changed at all? Have you approached it in a different manner? Um, you know what? Funny you ask that because I 
because I always felt like such a phony um, on the kids show, hands on being the, I hosted that for a few years and I was like, I don't even have kids, you know, like here I am. I don't think you have to be a breeder to know how to, you know, to be interested in nurturing creativity in children. Go out on a limb. But but I do feel like, um, you know, right now she is just now, like we decorated Easter eggs and I think what it has given me is the ability to act. I mean, I was already kind of funny and, um, you know, acting goofy in my classes, but I think it has really allowed me to be even more goofy maybe. And, and a little bit more lighter with these kids, you know, having fun, et cetera, et cetera. Does that make sense? Because I do it every day and it's, it's more natural, you know, with because her. you've gotten this, you've pro- you've obviously gotten this positive reinforcement back through her giggles or her smiles. Yes. Or, so that so you're kind of like, okay, it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier when people hit that like button or post yes. a heart. It's the same thing. It's that re- represent like the it's reciprocating the flow. It's like yeah. okay, that's cool. I'm on the right path. And I also feel like I used to have a grad student um, when I was in grad school. Like my studio mate next door said, her name was Victoria. And she had a great Southern accent, but she always said, can't fool kids and dogs. And so I feel like, I feel like when you talk to these kids and you say, oh my gosh, my daughter has that same shirt or my daughter has curly hair or whatever. These kids are like, oh, she's a mom. Like it almost gives you street cred with them too. Yeah. Yeah. When they see you with your kid or whatever, it gives you some street cred that you're like, okay, she's, you know, she's legit or something. I don't know. You know? Are you, are you making jewelry yet with your daughter? Is she old enough? You know what? She, um, she isn't old enough, but she, it is funny how it is her instincts to put things around her neck, on her head, (laughs) around her wrist. And she likes it. But I would not, you know, we travel a lot for our jobs, right? So everywhere I go, I try to bring her home a little piece of jewelry for a jewelry box. So she has bracelets from like China and she has, and they're small and they fit her. So she's been wearing them since she was like six months old. So she likes jewelry. I hope she's fancy. You know, a little bit. I mean, she's your daughter. She's going to be a little fancy. I like I like fancy things, you know, within reason. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I think now that we've done the Easter egg thing, I'm going to give her some extra large wood beads yeah. and some markers. And I'm going to let her just scribble on them. And then I'm going to shellac them. That's going to be our first collaboration. What do you think? I think that's great. I think that's great. I've also seen um, people let their kids, you know, marker on paper and then you do those rolled paper beads. Yes. With the scribbles. Yes. Absolutely. I I think, and also I think what that does, not only is that like a connection moment for you guys, but I, I also think that's so empowering for children to see that something that they've touched that they've worked with can be turned into something that that somebody would wear. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, and I, I love that sparkle in their eyes when I see kids wear what they made and I say, are you going to give these to your mom? And they say, no. And that's how I really know I've hit home. You know, like we did it. We made something. Oh, they Cause they love it enough. They're proud of it. Uh, it really, uh, I read an article somewhere I can't, it was years ago, but, um, that said 
if you want to help kids with their self-esteem, let them be creative and let them do it. You know, I I get um, on a side note, I get a little annoyed sometimes when parents are like, oh, honey, you've already put, you know, four green beads on there. Don't you want a different color? No, that's hard as a parent, too. It is hard. hard. It is hard. But that's I always think like that's, you know, that's what starts, though. Yeah, it kind of it kind of just takes it makes them come from a place. I don't I'm no psychologist, but sometimes I think that adds to the fear of like, am I making the right decision? Mm, I don't want to yeah. question myself. Am I doing this right? You know, when really the beauty of art is there's not always a right and wrong way, you know? Yeah. But I do as I do when I talk to people about doing art with their kids or whatever, I always tell them like it's important for them to end up successful unless you are telling them from the get go, we are experimenting and this might not work and we're going to live if it doesn't, you know? And sometimes it's just a design feature. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find teaching a creative outlet? You think it's creative at all? Um, I do most of the time. Sometimes you have those classes where you just think, what was I thinking? You know, like trying to do this, but yeah, I mean, I, it's, uh, I mean, you give a lot when you teach, right? Like, so sometimes you come home a little bit, um, exhausted, exhausted, but then if you can really try to remember, and I take a lot of pictures in my classes and you remember those people and how good they feel when they leave, that's when you get recharged. But right after the class, I feel a little tired. It's almost like a performance, you know? Well, I think it sounds like you feel a responsibility, and I know that I do, to your students, either virtual or physical, to give them something, to give them permission, to help them feel and find and whatever. And that's a lot of energy. You're putting out a lot of yourself. And it's wonderful. It's a great gift to have, but it's it's draining. You have to just make sure to recharge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so um, when I when I do teach, like I just taught. 13 or 14 classes at bead fest a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago. And, um, I took, uh, I didn't come home right away in the morning. We finished Sunday night and I, I took Monday to just goof around in Pennsylvania and just, just enjoy, you know, look back, enjoy the weekend, goof off a little bit. And then I came home, you know, because you do need to recharge and take care of yourself. The thing is, is in class, like I always ask people, to really be patient with themselves. They've never done this before. And to um, be a little forgiving, you know, like don't expect perfectionism on the first time you try something new. And that that's what takes the energy. You know what I mean? To like really nurture these people through the process and make sure that nobody's beating themselves up. That's where I, I feel the responsibility. You mentioned before that as you were sort of coming of crafty age that you (laughs) played bass, you tried painting. Um, There were a bunch of different sort of creative Mm -hmm. outlets that you experimented with. And then jewelry was your home. What, what was it about jewelry making and continues to be what feeds you the most creatively? Um, Yeah. You know, I, I mentioned I started making jewelry in sixth grade. It was wire wrapped rock pendants. And then I started making my own clay polymer beads. 
this would have been by the time I was like in eighth grade and I was selling these watches. And you know how some people like babysit and whatever to make extra cash in high school? I was selling my own jewelry and I mowed yards also. <laughs> that was my thing. And I went through and then when I got to college, I just, it seemed like I couldn't get enough of it looking back in high school. And then when I went to college, there were all these opportunities, you know, for things you could do, you know, and in art and whatever. And I tried all these things and then I had to take a metalworking class and in between graduating high school and until that point, I had just put jewelry down. I didn't do anything with it. And it reminded me of how like happy it made me, you know? And I just felt that like peace when I was doing it. And I loved the challenge of it. And I loved adding all those new metalworking skills to my belt. And it just, I had a great professor, Robin Kraft, and she just let me be me and coached me and it was just a real spot of joy for me. So that's when I knew, like, I'm supposed to be doing this, you know. Is that something that you took away from her, too? Not just that, uh, you know, not just the craft, but the ability as an instructor to let your student be your yeah. student? Yeah, I had some great instructors. I went to Purdue University, which is an engineering school. Don't ask me how I ended up in art school there, but I did. <laughs> and <laughs> And I had great, great instructors that just, you know, I think... I worked really hard. And so then as an instructor, you're, you know, you're always more likely to give time to the person that's really working hard and in the studio all the time. Like I didn't ever go to, I remember I didn't even go to a, a football game. I don't think in my whole, you know, college career, <laughs> I was in the studio and, um, yeah, I had these professors that just really took good care of me. And then by the time I graduated and I did my student teaching, I was like, I don't want to teach in the schools. I just want to make jewelry. And I learned later, you know, it wasn't that I didn't necessarily want to teach in the schools. It's that our education wasn't what I thought it was going to be. There's a lot more paperwork and rules. And I think I made the right decision with all the budget cuts and everything. I think I... Well, you still get to teach now. It's just in a different... It's a beautiful different thing. format. Yeah. It all worked out you know, so. And I think that's, I think that that's sort of a, a common thing that I'm hearing over this sort of course of having these great conversations is that if you stay true mm-hmm. to your passions and to things that, into the things that feel like your home, mm-hmm. things have a funny way of working out how they should. It's so true. It's hard to keep that faith sometimes, you know, but if you just keep swinging, you know, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I am amazed at all the things that, um, I've gotten to do, you know, in this career. So uh, I, I feel so lucky, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Being creative is, is definitely one of those gifts that, um, that everybody has and not everybody utilizes. It's, I wish it for everyone. Me too. Me too. I uh, I was reading an article. One of my great great grandmas was a painter, and she they, somebody did an article on her. And her the final words were, "I think everybody should have a hobby," and it just resonated with me. You know, like I do. I I get it. What she was saying. I think everybody should have a hobby because it's a real. You know, we talk about recharging and all the stressors of our day and 
and all of that. And I feel really lucky that I, I somehow ended up in a, in a job that's sort of a little bit hobby and, you know, a little bit work. So, Well, Candy, thank you so much for being here with me. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Vicki Howell, it's been a pleasure. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. Candy Cooper's designs, classes, and show info can be found on her website. For more info, please check out this episode's show notes page at vickihowell.com slash craftish. Craftish is produced in Austin, Texas by me and mixed and edited by Dave Campbell. And if this podcast is your jam, please take a moment to rate or review us on iTunes. It really helps us out and we appreciate it a lot. And if you're interested in becoming one of our sponsors, you can email podcast at vickihowell.com for info or send a message through any of the show notes pages. Tune into the next episode of Craftish with my guest, award-winning lifestyle and food photographer, Jody Horton. That'll go live on Tuesday. Until next time, give yourself permission to take a little time to make something. Breathe in, craft out.